Welcome to Uniquely Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners share their unique stories to inspire our listeners. Welcome to Season 3 of Uniquely Small Biz by Selective Insurance, a podcast for small business owners to share their inspiring stories. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and we are so excited to be bringing you another round of insightful conversations with small business owners who are as unique as their ventures. I am so happy to welcome in John and Joanna Null, the husband and wife team behind Swatera Coffee Company. Swatera is a coffee shop and cafe with multiple locations in Pennsylvania, specializing in egocentric source coffee, sandwiches, salads, and baked goods. Well, I would like to welcome John and Joanna. So nice to have you both here. John, I'll start with you. The story of Swatera actually began when you were deployed in Afghanistan with the Navy. And first of all, on behalf of everybody on the podcast, I want to thank you for your service. It was an honor. So what was it that made you kind of go from the Navy to wanting to open a coffee shop? Like, where'd this passion come from? So a love of coffee has been with me for a while. But when I was deployed to Afghanistan, 2012 to 2013, Joanna and I were engaged at the time. And it was the crossroads of my military career. At that point, we decided, should I stay in and retire from the Navy? Or should we get out and plant roots? And that's what we decided to do. We wanted to move to Joanna's hometown and plant roots. And so in looking at what the area needed, kind of my job in the intelligence analyst role was to analyze the battle space and to look and identify everything. And so I kind of did that with Jonestown. I looked at it and I tried to identify what the area needed and it needed a gathering spot. It needed a place that people could meet and call their own, needed a place to help build community. And there are a few better places to do that than coffee shops. And so that's why I decided to build a coffee shop. I really like what you just said, because a lot of people will say, well, I have this product and I want to sell it. But you actually went to a community that obviously Joanna lived in and you wanted to, as you said, plant roots there. And for you, it was more like, what can I do for you guys? Not what can you do for me? Yeah. And just seems like a natural progression with your love of coffee that you're like, well, perfect. (laughs) I have just the thing. Right, right. And that's just it. You know, we all have various talents and strengths and it's about how we can share those with our neighbors and how we can, you know, better each other by trying to support one another. Joanna, what'd you think when he said, I think we want to put a coffee shop here? Like, what was your reaction? Because it's your town, Joanna. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. One of the things that John's very, very good at is doing research, doing his homework. And so he, during his deployment to Afghanistan, actually wrote out a business plan. And we also were very cognizant of each other's strengths and our weaknesses. We made a couple decisions on how we were going to do the coffee shop so that I felt comfortable with it and so that he could do what he needed to do. And they were kind of like lines in the sand where we were like, we are not going to cross this boundary. And if we cross this boundary, like then the shop can't happen. So some of that was we decided that we were going to bootstrap so that we could make the choices on how we wanted to grow the coffee shop and how we wanted to treat our employees and how we wanted to treat our community. We also made some decisions around like whether we were going to rent or purchase property, those kinds of things, so that both of us were on board and felt comfortable doing it. 
Did either of you have a background in running a business? Because your initial plan when you're telling me like the conversations that you had sound like former business owners. Or are you just naturally good at this? Uh, I think that's a generous statement, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, no, as Joanna mentioned, I love research. Neither of us were small business owners prior to this. You know, Joanna and I have kind of talked about this. My idea, my passion, if you will, for small business started when I was a kid. I delivered newspapers starting in the fourth grade for a few years to all the local businesses. There were about 80 in my community. So I kind of got to see, you know, these different operations and whatnot. That idea stuck with me as far as its development, just researching. But I do want to note, which John did not say, he has a bachelor in labor and industrial relations and a master in business leadership. So he does have a background. I think sometimes he forgets about those degrees. I do. Well, I I earned the, uh, I I was uh, earning my master's from Duquesne remotely while I was deployed to Afghanistan. So it was kind of hand in hand that I was able to you know, use some of the things I learned. Wow. You are just an official overachiever. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you received when you open the the shop? Like what did the community think? All of a sudden this new coffee shop smack dab in the middle of everything. Really exciting, actually. So we slow played the opening a little bit. We, there's an event in Jonestown, that's the block party. It's been going on for about a decade or so. And so that's when we unveiled that we would be opening. And we started leveraging social media to build that enthusiasm, kind of that word of mouth. And that's really what we we stuck to. And we stick to even to this day is word of mouth. We opened a second location in the summer of 2020. Again, leverage that word of mouth where people were coming up to us you know, we put paper over the windows and everything and didn't tell anyone. But sure enough, two months out from us opening, they're like, hey, heard you're opening up that second location in Anvil. Like, yeah, yeah. But the first one was received exceptionally well. Same with the second. But the first one was really cool because Jonestown is located in south central Pennsylvania in a very rural area. And when we opened our doors, we had a line out the door down the block for two and a half hours. We almost burned out our espresso machine on the first day because we were pushing it to work faster and harder than it was actually rated to. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys. Like, could there be a better opening than that one? No. No. It was honestly like, just talking about it is making me a little bit um, choked up. It was incredibly humbling because for me, I'd been gone from home for about a decade And so we not only moved home, but we opened a business. And to see people, we had people that I've known my whole life, I've gone to church with, who were in line. We had friends that we had made while we were opening the shop. We had friends from college who surprised us and drove in. It was, honestly, we were, so the coffee shop has a porch, and we were in the coffee shop, and we had no idea. We could not see outside to see how many people there were. And so we had planned a little ribbon cutting ceremony and invited some like local officials to help us open. And when we opened the door, we were like, well, if it's just our parents here, like that's so cool. And John's family's from Pittsburgh. So they made the drive and we're like, that'll be great. And had no expectation. And it took us a minute, I think, to actually realize what was happening. It was one of the coolest moments of my life and will be forever grateful to the community. I can't even imagine. That's like the community just giving you a big hug, Yeah. right? It's like a welcome back. You belong here. This is what you're meant to do. We got you. 
Yeah. yeah, it was lovely. You guys from the start have had a strong focus on community from your sourcing practices to a wide range of local partnerships. So why was that so important to you in particular? Wow. Uh, we could talk about this for mm. hours, but to keep it short, you know, there's the sustainability portion of it. Obviously, a truck traveling from, you know, just down the road to us is going to produce less emissions than a truck traveling from, you know, another state. But there's also the part, you know, I mentioned earlier, there are so many people out there doing great things and they're often in your backyard. And, you know, that's one of the things we wanted to be able to do was to kind of take a spotlight and shine it on the good works that other people were doing. Uh, not only that, you tend to get sometimes a like a better or more unique product when you do that. So one of the stories that I love to share is the maple syrup farm that's literally down three the miles. road from us, yeah, you know, miles, and, uh, you know, talking with them about how they produce their maple syrup, how they tap over a thousand sugar maples in the tri-county area. You know, you talk to them and then you really start, you know, finding out things like that Pennsylvania soil and climate are better suited for maple syrup production than Vermont or Canada. And so then you get to share this stuff with your customers as, you know, they ask for your recommendation and, you know, we're using uh, local milk from a creamery. We're using this maple syrup from just down the road where, you know, and then you have this amazingly unique local product that you share with people who, you know, might not have visited you before. And I can't tell you how many people have come to the shop who have said, oh, hey, we checked out that maple syrup farm and we went and bought a couple gallons from it. Like, that's amazing. That's exactly what I want. I want you to now know of this place and then go visit and patronize and keep that family business going. So awesome. Isn't that so cool? And when you know you're shopping local and you know you're buying local and you're putting money into pockets of people here in your community and business owners that are your neighbors and your friends, it feels so good, right? And so I love that you guys are sort of extending that olive branch, for lack of a better term, and you're talking to people and you're like, how can we support you? And you're encouraging people to support other local businesses. You guys are kind of the ideal. That's very yeah. kind. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, like what good people with a great product. How fun. I can see why there was a, a line out the door around the corner. What would you say makes you unique? Ooh, you know, we talked about our hyper-local sourcing, our efforts of sustainability, but I'd say what makes us unique are our employees. They really are incredible. The work they do is awesome. Our mission is to build community, and they do that every day by making these connections with our customers, by sharing our story about our practices, doing the awesome work that they do. That's what makes us unique. You know, when anytime I bring a new employee on board and I'm about to share the uh, secret sauce here, but again, nothing new under the sun. You just got to find it. But Ben Franklin said in the 1700s that the taste of the roast depends on the handshake of the host. How my employees interact with our customer is literally impacting how they're tasting their food and their drinks. It's as simple as that. You just got to make sure you're you're cultivating relationships with your customers Starts with treating your employees fairly, but really they are the difference of Swatera Coffee. How do you know, though, when someone comes in to interview with either one of you for a job? 
we've all heard the stories, right? Somebody in the first interview is great and you're like, this is our person. And then they start and it's not who you thought it was. Like, how do you filter through to make sure that these employees are the best of the best? Is it intuition? Is it experience? Is it because they were referred from somebody or is it a combination of all those things? I think it's a bunch of different things. And I think a lot of it comes down to the kinds of people who are drawn to coffee shops. You know, I think all industries have certain kinds of people with certain kinds of talents who tend to find themselves magnetized to different places. And we get stellar folks who walk in the door and want to be a part of Swatera Coffee. So we feel extremely lucky because it's just, it's amazing to see the kind of folks with their talents who want to be part of the story. I have to know, I have to ask you the obvious question. You guys are married. What is it like running a business together as a married couple? So, And be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're tied together by headphones right now, but. (laughs) It's great. It's great because we know each other's strengths, but it's also difficult because there's a lot that's tied up with this. We both had ideas of how things should go and how things should run. And that was a potential point of conflict that we had to address, you know, and and talk and figure out the way forward. And we did. And I think what has worked for us is a delineation of roles, which kind of are very natural. So John takes care of a lot of the office HR day to day. And I take care of our communication. So our social media, how we message things, events, things like that. I also work a full-time job outside of the shop. I'm also terrible behind the counter. And that's something we found that's out. Funny. Hey, know your strengths. Know your what? strengths. Yep. Yep. It's a very bad day if you see me. Like, very, very bad. <laughs> Someone's called in sick. Yes. And then, John, you handle pretty much everything else that's not communications related. Exactly. Are you in the shop every day? Not behind the counter. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, I recognized early on. I wanted my employees to to be the face of Swatera. I wanted them to be the ones interacting because I did build the business plan for growth. I wanted them to be the ones creating those relationships with the customers. So, no, I'm not behind the counter, but I'm doing the... Uh, all the paperwork, the strategic planning, the... Keeping the trains running. Yeah. yeah it's a yep. big job. Where did the name come from, Swatera? So the Swatera is a 72-mile creek that runs through the area into the Susquehanna River. Oh, and does it have significant meaning to you, or is it just because it's local and you thought that's a great point of reference? We wanted the name to have a local connotation to it and for any future growth of the coffee shop to, you know, it touches a lot of places in our county and the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. So it's a touchstone. But also we did not want to name it like John and Joanna's Cafe or yeah. anything that had to do with us because we really feel like it's something for the community. It's a very interesting point that you make because even hearing you say John and Joanna's Coffee Shop, like that sounds cute, but that sounds like it's about you. Right. But when you're saying Swatera, oh, this is what it is. It's this river that runs there. Like, if I live in your community, I'm like, oh, that's about me. You know, that's my river. That's where I go. Right. So I, that's... That was really smart. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it was it, one of my favorite stories. Before we opened, we were sitting in a local restaurant and this girl came up to us 
And uh, what, how old was she at the time? Oh my gosh. I don't uh, know. Maybe like eight or nine. Something. Yeah. And she said, hey, you're the ones who are going to open up my coffee shop, right? And I was like, yes, it's <laughs> your coffee cool. shop. Yes. <laughs> like it is. And that's that right there. I was like, oh, this is, this is exactly, yeah. exactly what we're going for. And it has been so fun. You know, we've been open for nearly five years. It'll be five years in November. And so like some of those kids who are really young, like that little girl then is not a little girl anymore. And, you know, getting to see kids grow up, we've had people have their first dates at the coffee shop and then come back to get engaged, which has been really fun. And so those kinds of things were just like, you know, there's nothing quite like it, I don't think. It's also a social media manager's dream, isn't it? You're like, (laughs) social post. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, uh, John, I have to ask you, peer support groups, like those made for veterans, small business owners, they can be a very valuable resource for veterans sort of transitioning back to civilian life. So are there any support groups that you belong to or any resource groups that you belong to that have kind of helped you through this transition? Initially, the local chamber of commerce, they have a veterans committee. So that's something that, you know, I could have reached out to. But I did I did speak with people from the chamber of commerce, you know, especially in trying to find some local vendors for different, very specific products. And we did speak while it wasn't a a formalized group. We did talk to a lot of business owners, some of whom were veterans And some of whom were married and business partners with their married partner as well, which gave us a lot of insight. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, you did an extensive amount of research, which I think is good. I mean, being married and running a business, that's a whole challenge in itself. Like, how do we make the business successful? How do we stay married throughout this adventure? So, I mean, I think it's very smart to go ask other people in the same situation, like, how did you do it? What was your secret? so that you can kind of learn from that. Do you have any advice on what you would say to other veterans that would like to be small business owners, like resources they can reach out to or how to get started or thoughts that they might want to have? Yeah, don't get overwhelmed. There are a lot of things out there. I mean, in the short five years that we started, there are so many more resources available, specifically locally, you know, wherever you are, you know, start asking around, start with your chamber, start with your small business affiliates, figure out where those resources are. One of the things I came across often is people asking me, you know, how did you start your business? You know, people from the community and I sit down with them and I love it because then I get to share every secret that I've learned with them. People exist to help you. You just have to ask around and try to find Again, I recommend local, as local as possible, because they'll be the ones who have a pulse of whatever, maybe local grants that might be out there. You know, if somebody's not sure exactly what kind of business they want to start, they can, you know, look into areas that are underserved and your business development resources will, you know, they'll be able to kind of shine a light on how you can, you know, impact your community. All depending on what my second recommendation is, develop your mission early and stick to it. You know, in the military, we call it mission creep and you don't want to start down one path and then wind up turning, you know, 17 different ways and you've strayed so far from what you originally started. 
that you don't recognize what you set out to do. So to use an example, uh, when we first opened, a lot of people had recommendations of what they wanted to see at Swatera. And, and I loved it. I genuinely love listening to what people want because that helps me become a better business owner, a better community member. And so I welcome all feedback. Some of it was good and some of it was not applicable. You know, that non-applicable stuff. Somebody wanted us to have hash browns and home fries. And for my quick casual business, you know, restaurant, that did not apply. And so had I developed that, that would have been mission creep. We would have started traveling down a path that would have involved renovating the building and getting engineers involved and then, you know, different codes and permits and like a whole separate thing that, you know, would have just been so much. So yes, develop your mission, figure out what you want to do and set to it. Friend of mine uses a term. She says over your skis, like it just, (laughs) it's happening too fast and you're just losing control of it. So that was smart to, to stick to your plan. So then I have to ask you guys, Joanna, I'll ask you what's next for you. I mean, you've got two locations now. Do you want to open more? Are you happy with two? Where do you see yourselves in five, 10, 20 years? Yeah. You know, I think for us, it really is about the community and trying to meet the needs in the areas that we are at currently. That's not to say that we aren't necessarily pursuing other options and things, but we, what we found is that the right opportunities find us and kind of don't let go. Things kind of naturally fall away when they're not meant to be. And we've had a couple experiences where like, oh my gosh, thank goodness we did not go down that path. Like for whatever reason that is. And I think right now too, after two years of a pandemic that was, I mean, emotionally, physically, financially draining, it is kind of nice to be able to have stability right now and to be able to kind of take a breath and then figure out, all right, what happens next? I feel like so many business owners are in the same boat where you're just happy to see people coming through your doors again and you're getting your feet under you and your legs under you a little bit just to get back to where you were pre-pandemic. And it's like, let's get back there. Let's get stable. And then we'll think about the next plan. It's sort of set everybody back for a few years, but it's not to say that it's halted anyone, you know, or everyone. So good for you guys. Well, they always say good things happen to good people, and you guys are a couple of great ones. I wish I lived on the East Coast so I could come taste your coffee. Just this conversation makes me want a cup of your coffee. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, if you ever come out to Hershey Park, we're about 20 minutes away. Oh, my gosh, Hershey Park. I love how many times do you have to tell people, we're 20 minutes from Hershey Park. Yep. (laughs) So many times. (laughs) It was lovely having you on the podcast, though. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Joining us now to discuss some of the resources available for veterans and service members is Gerald Carroza, AVP, Surety, Fidelity, and Cyber Claims at Selective Insurance. Gerald, thank you so much for being here, and I want to dive right into this. I understand that Selective has a new employee resource group referred to as an ERG that is specifically for veterans. So I'm wondering if you can tell us what drove you to create the Veterans ERG and the purpose of it and some of the things that happen with that group. Sure, sure thing. Yeah, I've been blessed with uh, two rewarding careers. Uh, One as an Army officer and another as an officer at Selective Insurance Company of America. 
And both of those careers overlapped for 12 years. When I learned that Selective was promoting the creation of employee resources groups, which we called ERGs, I thought that the creation of one for our veteran employees and those employees who still serve in the Guard and Reserve, that that would be a great thing. And it made sense for me to be the executive sponsor since I've been at Selective for so long and I had such a long career in the Army Reserve. Thank you, by the way, for your service. Oh, well, thank you. That's, it was my honor. So the purpose of the, of, we call it the MVRG because it's not just veterans, but it's also currently active, not in active duty, but active in the reserve and guard, which can be very time consuming and very demanding. But the purpose of it is to educate the selective community on the value of veterans to selective success, their unique needs, their concerns, the rich history of military service, and to provide a transitory environment for those employees that might come back from deployment, such as myself, and to provide qualified veterans a path for employment and advancement. And I'm proud to say our group has gotten off the ground in lightning speed. We are very diverse, and I think some may find this interesting, but we have both veterans and non-veterans in our veterans ERG. I found from my experience being called up in 2010 to deploy to Afghanistan that people want to help, and especially those who regret never having served. Our ERG's message to the selective community is uh, if you felt like you'd missed your chance to serve, we're giving you another chance. And I think, you know, this ERG should be attractive to the veteran-owned small businesses because uh, not only does the ERG make selective the kind of place a veteran would want to work at, it helps selective become the kind of place that a, a veteran-owned business would want to do business with because veterans are all about taking care of their own. And I think the veteran-owned small business, when they see selective, is that kind of company, they will be eager, or hopefully will be eager to, to come do business with us. We love small business, we love our veterans, and we're eager to support them in their business needs with, with insurance. When you came out of active duty, I'm sure that you faced some challenges personally. What were some of those challenges and how did you overcome those challenges? Well, I'll tell you, every soldier's journey, and when I say soldier, I mean the military person, whether it's a sailor, marine, airman, but every soldier's journey is different. But there's some common themes, right? And for me, and I think many, it's rooted in the saying, you can't go home again. And I really learned what that meant, having gone to Afghanistan for a year. And what happens, you know, you yearn to come back. You miss things. You miss home. You miss your family. You miss work. You miss all of the routines of your life. So when you come back, it's very challenging. You'll see commercials and, and things on TV about the soldier coming home and surprising the family, and it makes everybody feel good. For me, when I see that, I get a little sad because I know their tough journey is just starting. And, oh, wow. and so we're hoping, and it's one of the main motivating facts of, of my supporting and starting this ERG, is to help at least at work to make things better. It's interesting that you brought that up about the videos that we see, because that's just yet another thing that proves that social media isn't always what you think it is, right? When you see those videos of the soldier getting off the plane and surprising the kid at school or surprising the wife or the husband or whatever the case may be, to your point, and I appreciate you bringing it up because I think that's something that a lot of us don't think about, is there is so much beneath that surface. And it's like you said, their second journey has just begun. Right. Right. And-, and- Especially yeah. for reservists, you know, when, when you're on active duty, you go as a unit. When the unit comes back, it goes back to its base, and there's that whole support staff and community. When you're a reservist, your civilian employer is probably a bigger part of your community. So I think at Selective, we can play a much bigger role in helping that transitioning and softening the blow. And I think 
you know, from my experience with selective employees, they'll want to do that and they'll be eager to do that. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, and you obviously, we've talked about this already today, but having that sort of peer support system in place for servicemen and women as they transition back into civilian life, you know, when I look at it now from hearing you talk about it, I realize even more so how important that is. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And it's not just coming back from war. I think, you know, a peer support system is important for service people who are coming off active duty, maybe not from wartime, but they joined the military and they did their four-year commitment or six-year commitment as a new officer enlisted. And they decide they're not going to make a career out of that, but they want to make a career at Selective or some other company. There's a transition element to that too. And most of that's cultural. And I think our ERG is looking to be a support mechanism in that regard too. So what I mean by that is, you know, every company has a different culture and certainly a company's culture is different from the military. And I think just that can be a a huge benefit to the employee, to the new veteran employee and to the company because then the new veteran employee will fit in better and get productive quicker and, and, uh, and hopefully stay. When I talked to John a little bit ago, he mentioned that he applied his skills as an intelligence analyst to identify like what type of small business he felt that his town needed. So what are some of the military service skills that have helped you in your civilian career? Oh, I think there were several. And I will say that the skills transfer both ways because I also had some skills that I brought from my civilian career here at Selective to Afghanistan when I went in 2010. But the skills that I utilized the most in building success here at Selective, the utmost important one was leadership. In the military, they're big on leadership from the highest ranking general down to the most junior private. We instill leadership skills at all levels. And that certainly is something that I embraced and put to use in my civilian career. Training, military is big on training. I was a training officer at a battalion and learning how to Plan training and tying it into strategy for uh, outcomes was very important for what I do here in training my people. And briefing, you know, briefing generals, you learn at a very junior level that you're going to brief people sometimes two, three, four, five ranks higher than you. And it becomes second nature so that when you're in the civilian world and you're briefing a president or CEO or maybe a whole auditorium of people, it comes not naturally, but it looks like it's coming naturally because you've you've practiced it so many times. Such an interesting conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I learned so much in just this short segment with you. So thank you. My pleasure. That's all the time we have for today. I want to say thanks again to today's guests, John and Joanna Null from Swatera Coffee and Gerald Carosa from Selective. And thank you, the listener, for pressing play on this episode of Uniquely Small Biz. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review in the podcast store. And tune in next month for more inspiring stories from real small business owners. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and this has been Uniquely Small Biz from Selective Insurance. 